Hello and welcome to season two, episode three of the Representation Podcast with myself, Yusuf Suave. And me, Sophia Hanin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Wait, actually, before we get into it, I would like to share a petition with you and a GoFundMe page that I've started. It's, um, it's about you editing the likes out of the podcast. Because when we first started, oh Yusuf, you used to edit out every single time I said like in the first episode with Ahad. I didn't, if you listen to it, I'm so coherent. I don't say like once. Listen to the most recent one with Artie and every other word I say is a like. We need to get use of editing the likes out. Sophia, I'm tired. Like I can't, I can't do it anymore. It takes so much of my time to take, to make you sound like a normal human being because the amount of likes that you drop is every single, I'd say third word. And it honestly, it just gets too much. I, I, when I was editing that one, I was just like, no, I cannot be doing this anymore. I've had enough. But now it if you has... hear it, okay, you're listening back to it now and you just just com- just internalize how terrible it sounds to listen it's to. It's every third word. And also kind of, I say kind of too much. I sound like not a 28-year-old woman. I sound like a 16-year-old girl. It's embarrassing. It, yeah, it is embarrassing. I think I say kind of a lot, but... um. Yeah, the light, it's just too much. And I'm, I'm, this is my stand. This is my protest, actually, because I have other things to be getting on with and I just cannot be bothered to fit to cut out every single like that you say. I just want hour. to sound like an intelligent human being and I'm not. It's so tragic. I cringed so hard realising how, how often I, I felt like I was our dad. I felt like I was Abu John listening back. And this is, this is how he hears me, like just tutting all the time, like stop saying like. Yeah, it does not make for good radio or podcasting. So hopefully you will take that on board and improve. In- to be fair, it's made me more aware. So we're doing it. Don't worry. You're not going to hear a single like this episode because mm-hmm. I would have blackmailed Yusuf into editing them all out. Yeah, we'll see about that. Anyway, so what's going on? Um, what's been happening recently? Oh, my God. All sorts. Well, currently everyone's at Glastonbury, so they're all having a good time. I'm sat on my bedroom floor, but still reeling off the back of the festival we were at a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, very different to Glastonbury, but some would say even better because, you know, you don't have to walk 45 minutes to go see Joy Crooks. You can walk two <laughs> minutes to see some folk band instead. You can walk 30 seconds to go and see Yusuf, CJ, for an hour, which I'd rather do. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, we were recently at Basket of Light Festival and it was really, really lovely. Unfortunately, we were only there for what, like 12 hours or 18 hours or whatever it was. But my goodness, they were wonderful, perfect, sun-filled hours. Yeah, all of those things. Everyone there was so lovely. I'm only going to small festivals from now on. You just feel like a bit of a celeb wandering around, saying hi to everyone, chatting. It was joy build sunshine so everyone must go next year but yeah shout out to them because they actually invited us to do a stage takeover so we got to bring two amazing djs we had princess coco and dj diva djing alongside yusuf suave over here and um i want to say it was best room of the night best room there Mm, yeah our room was packed out and thank you so much to adiva as well for joining us very last minute due to a cancellation from manuka honey who we originally had build um so yeah thanks very much to, for, to to her for stepping in and as usual she 
she killed it oh she's my god she's a fave she smashed it i just i did not step stop two stepping for the whole hour i was sweating i was exhausted but i couldn't take a break i just couldn't she kept mixing in banger after banger banger after banger after banger so yeah we had a great time at basket Alive, and the organizers said even though they have no data to back this up not a single stat that's fine that's fine little chinese whisper they felt like the diversity of the crowd was increased on last year just thanks to our presence just we're just bringing in the melanin the pocs yeah the melanin just bringing them in it's kind of like osmosis if one bit that's not scientific but we're like the pied piper of brown people just <laughs> they're just where they're just we're just playing our tunes and they're just coming along behind us yeah up over the hill into the sunset into a great lovely little festival i mean the line's not very long there's not that many of us but they're coming I don't know. I reckon the ratio of melanin at Basket of Light was probably better than melanin at Glastonbury. There I said it. Well, yeah. I mean, there are something like 200,000 people at Glastonbury versus 200 people at Basket of Light. So it's going to feel like there's more. <laughs> but, you know, we, yeah, we're, anyway, it's, it's very early stages. And hopefully, you know, we're going to see more representation and diversity at, at, more, at more events. I hope so, anyway. I hope so. So, Yusuf, what have we got um, coming up today? What are we chatting about? We actually, interestingly, and I'm quite excited, we don't have a guest today. It's just us two. It's just our voices. Yeah, listeners, you are stuck with just the two of us uh, on today's episode. As much as we love having guests on, this episode is guest-free. We're actually going to be doing a deep dive. And when I say deep dive, I mean skin deep. Shallow. Shallow dive. We're essentially removing a splinter from our fingers. That's how shallow this dive is but we're doing it nonetheless two people with no knowledge on a subject are going to discuss it somewhat we're talking about the birth and rise of bhangra music that's kind of exciting it's very exciting and it's kind of similar to episode two where we did a, a shallow dive in the into the daytimers movement we really enjoyed looking back a bit of a historical aspect so yeah i'm excited we're going to be doing teeny tiny dive into bhangra but before we get stuck into that, let's just talk about, you know, what we've got going on. I think that, well, this week we're going to be, well, I'm going to be flying the flag, the representation at the St. Paul's Carnival in Bristol uh, day party at Crofters Rights. Thank you very much. We're alongside some very sturdy crews, including Concrete Jungles, See No Evil, Club Jembe, one of my favourites. So, yeah, that's going to be a whole lot, a lot of fun. Have we, have we talked about our, our last night that we did at Crofters? Maybe. But if we haven't, um, we also did a second soul that night. Second soul that night. Woo. Um, another night of me just dancing on stage, being hype girl, not doing any of the work. Oh, actually, I did. I did a warm up. Um, I think I might change my DJ name from Sath to DJ Reverb. How do we feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... It's very handy. You know, if you can't mix from A to B, just hit that reverb. It was handy. Hit play on the next one. Yeah, great. absolutely great. I, I still, I, I love it. I prefer it to the echo. Anyway, um, yeah, we had a really great time at our second sold out event at Crofters, right? But we're sort of like, you know, it made us, it made us think. We've been reflecting hard. Yeah, we've, we've been reflecting hard, doing some soul searching. Do you want to, do you want to say why? Yeah, I've been looking into the mirror, wistfully sighing, doing a lot of soul searching because... I do that. I do that a lot just generally, but yeah, go on. 
Yusuf does that on the daily. You do that on the daily. I, I do it less so, but so it's interesting because re- as representation, we were just our initial thoughts and feelings were more representation on lineups. You know, we just want to see more brown people on yeah, lineups, DJ sets, whatever. We want to see them there. Having now put on two nights, done our basket of like takeover. Our next thoughts is like, we've kind of achieved, well, not achieved it. It's a work in progress always, WIP. But the dance floors, something I'm really, as the person who's not really behind the decks, but it's just hyped on the dance floor, we've noticed that it's not too much a diverse space these days. So we are really soul searching on how to sort that out. Yeah, we, it's something that I noticed. I mean, I think after the first one, we were so just taken in by how amazing it was to have just a lineup of all brown people that felt incredible. I didn't really notice, or maybe I chose to ignore how, just how white the dance floor was. But then the second time around, I was very, very aware of it. And yeah, I think we need to do some work on like what we can do to, to bring the brown people out because this is also so funny because we were literally just boasting about being the pied pipers of brown people. And now we've realized that no, we are not. And we we need to bring more people in. We tried to play our flute at our Crofters' Rights Night, but alas, no one heard. I think it's a Bristol thing. Yeah, I mean, look, shout out white people. We love you. Thank you so much for coasting. Oh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for coming. If you didn't like it, we would cease to exist as a a movement, as a platform. Yeah, we wouldn't exist. Um, But brown people, this is our call out to you. Please come to our event because... Our official call out. Yeah, we want to see more of you. I just want to be in a more diverse space, okay? Do me. If Yusuf starts playing a bit of a anger Bollywood hit, I want to be like surrounded by people also reacting to it, not like non-brown people kind of just like, yeah, I guess this sounds pretty cool. This sounds pretty ethnic. I'm enjoying this. I want to see like, yeah, it's like when we're dialed in, like the hype, the energy in the room. And it was a very mixed space. So that's what we're aiming for in the future, guys. Look out for it. Yeah. Watch this space, work in progress. Right, Yusuf, before we start our shallow dive, let's just give our sponsors a little shout out. Thank you to Greenleaf sponsoring the pod. So we sat down to record this episode and we realised that we didn't actually know a single thing about... Like, literally nothing. We kept joking about doing a shallow dive, but like I tried to dive in the pool and my head just hit the floor because it turns out we don't have a clue and the content of what we were talking about finished within two minutes yeah i mean you know i think we're both pretty good blaggers but at the end of the day it just it didn't make sense for us to try and pass off any kind of knowledge on this subject so lucky listeners we reeled in the help of the one dj raker from new york yeah so gassed and excited to have dj raker on as you're about to hear they actually know a lot about Bangra, have been putting on a night for years, absolute Bangra head. I think was born and brought up in Southall, so, you know, also from ENDS. Yeah, they are far more qualified to be talking on the subject than we are. So without further ado, we're just going to hand it over to them. My name is uh, Reka Malhotra, professionally known as DJ Reka. I've been DJing for many years, and one of the genres that uh, I love and spin is Bhangra music. And I did a party for 20 years called Basement Bhangra in New York City. Um, I took a little break after it ended in 2017, after we had a huge 
blowout concert in Central Park Summer Stage with Apache Indian and Punjabi MC and at the time up and coming artists like Anit Khan and Madam Gandhi and guest appearances by Eames and Jazz Dami and Gurinder Chadha muscled her way on stage. So Bhangra music is is one of my one of my musical loves along with hip hop. Um, and yeah, so that's what I do. I'm a DJ, but I also curate. I take a lot of pride in presenting artists and work. I've done some university level teaching. I've done some other kinds of music work, curation, sound design, theater, film, etc. But what is Bhangra? Bhangra is uh, a music and a dance that originates from an area called Punjab, a land divided by the modern countries of India and Pakistan. Some might argue the origins of Bhangra actually geographically lie further, further west, as some might argue that about Punjabi culture at large, including some aspects of Sikhism, is it really where Afghanistan is? Um, so, you know, in the world music books, it says, you know, natives rejoicing at a harvest, which I think is a sort of racist depiction. So Bhangra is a specific rhythm, and it kind of became ubiquitous for Punjabi music at large. It originally encompassed many styles of Punjabi music, but it became sort of the word, according to Punjabi MC, when Deepa Kansanchi issued a CD, a record called Bhangra Fever 1 and 2, he kind of made Bhangra the word versus Punjabi. And I think we're actually at a time now where musically, what we might call Bhangra music is actually more Punjabi music broadly. If we think about artists like A.P. Dillon or Sidhu Musevala, kind of sort of considered Bhangra artists, but if people look at the music without the words, rhythmically and it may not be in terms of tradition what is and isn't and and tradition is a very slippery slope people often think it's fixed i think it's moving and uh, music is culture is always evolving so when we think about bhangra music you know we think of i think of it as uk bhangra and then in terms of the the arc in the 80s to the the double zeros, like 80s were band, band culture. You had folks that came from Punjab who were came maybe for labor reasons, for economic betterment, who already had musical tradition in them. And they fulfilled a need for people wanting to hear live music. They had the skills and talent. So there was a huge band scene, band culture, weddings. And then I think you get people like Bali Sagu and other producers that are influenced by British Black culture musically and put A and B together and by hip hop at large and put modern or different production techniques to the same, to that music and kind of develop more danceable um, sounds. I would say more danceable, but like, you know, quantize producing music the way dance music is produced. You would have the traditional bhangra sounds with the tabla and the dol, um, but then you'd also have electronic synth drums, guitars, keyboards, that kind of thing, um, making it more of a more of a fusion than than the traditional sound. Um, it was massive in the eighties, but again, it was kind of different to what we know because the, the bhangra that we know and I guess listen to and have grown up with has always been very very electronic um, based in terms of it was all produced on. I was going to say laptops, but no, but, but produced electronically. Um, but 
in the 80s it was all about bands and live music mm, live music okay so then when did that start becoming more electronic-y uh so it would have been in the early 90s uh it would have been the early 90s where the first kind of i say cheap but it live i'm sorry electronic production became more accessible to people um so young people were able to get their hands their grubby little mitts on producing software equipment and hardware and that's where it became more electronic so it moved away from the live element and became more electronic and people were able to put their own twist on things using samples so samples from hip-hop samples from uh dance hall and, and, and other genres and that kind of became i guess the the bungra that we know and and have listened to so you had bringing to the masses bringing bungra to the masses um but it also at that point i suppose it became like uniquely british as well which is that kind of melting pot of of different genres and oh i'm going to take a bit of this and i'm going to take a bit of that um so you have artists like apache indian coming out of that so making music that is definitely punjabi music but also taking a lot of influence from, from reggae and dancer as well um yeah and i guess the thing is about bhangra is that it did well we're saying it became big in the 80s and 90s but it really did like it did infiltrate like uk top 40 as well like slowly and steadily i think it was maybe in the 80s maybe maybe that a bhangra band got a song in the top 40 so you know it was a pretty impressive movement they were getting through not just to south asian communities it wasn't just people in south were listening to this it like was playing on the radio UK Bhangra sort of has this like amazing moment. And I think up until, you know, Butchke breaks on international radio, which is the early aught, it's, it's a scene that grows to a point. And it, it also introduces other South Asian artists from the UK that are perhaps using Punjabi language, not necessarily creating their own style. I'm thinking specifically of Rishi Rich and they have a unique sound. I think that is different, kind of different from UK Bhangra. And then other terms emerge to sort of describe this sort of widening palette of music. So like urban desi is another word for it. So what we're seeing now is interesting because we're seeing a lot of these 90s songs. And this is not, you know, specific to India, is that we're seeing these songs getting absorbed into Bollywood soundtrack and <laughs> some for better and many for worse and getting like sort of, you know, reinterpreted and, and repopularized with, with many uh, legal and appropriation uh, fights along the way. The stuff that, that resonates with me the most that I find most danceable that I continue to play maybe around the early aughts, like 98 BPM stuff that, is really danceable like DJ Sanj and Tiger Style and Specialist True School and a lot of Punjabi MC, but not necessarily the music that is not necessarily his, his most known hit, sort of the deeper cuts on the album. You know, that is the stuff that, that I play for a lot of audiences that don't speak Punjabi, that don't know the words, that are just feeling the music. And I have to go with stuff that's compelling. And I think, you know, that's what I gravitate towards myself but there are newer artists that that sound great i fell in love with bhangra and and to be clear most of the bhangra i played was from the uk and when i was a teenager 
mostly we grew up in hearing uh, Hindi film music. And my parents spoke Punjabi at home, but we didn't really hear Punjabi music. And at the time, the word Bollywood had me, wasn't even really in parlance. Um, I was born in London and we moved when I was five, but my mom went back to go to a family friend's wedding engagement and brought back a cassette. It was Mulkeet Singh's Up Front. She's like, I thought you would like this. The song is playing everywhere. And I fell in love with that tape. And I thought it was amazing. And then a few years later, my cousins uh, were here from India and they were trying to settle here. And they went to school with a lot of other South Asians. And they brought me, they introduced me to Bali Sagu, where I heard the same voice on that upfront tape, which is the singer's Mulkeet Singh, kind of being chopped up and mashed up in this like long mix. And that really just blew my mind because we had family friends in South Hall. I had a direct line to the music in South Hall. And this is pre-internet, pre-digital music. So I sent my cousin's wife a list of records I wanted and she got them all for me. And then I just would keep going back to England and, and trying to scoop up music and meet folks. And then the night just started to grow and build and um, word got out and it just grew and grew. I put an album out 2007 and, um, you know, first Thursday of the month for 20 years, we, we did this party. It was just for me, uh, it ended because I thought it was just time, you know, mm. and I wanted to go out on a high. And so we did the last night at the club and then we did a big blowout concert and it just felt great. It was one of the best days of my life. So, um, yeah. And then through the years, you know, mostly DJ driven, but definitely had our share of guests also used it as a platform to raise awareness about causes, a platform for emerging artists. Our night was pretty long. We started kind of at seven and we went to like three. So you know, if we could slip in, a, a, you know, on a, on a bonus night or earlier in the night, slip in an emerging artist because it was a proper music venue. And for, you know, up and coming artists, even if they weren't Bhangra, it was an opportunity for them to get to play on a real stage. So Basin Bhangra started as an invitation after from the venue that it was housed in for several years, though it was in a couple of venues, mostly at this one venue, and then a few years at another venue. We had a successful night uh, with another band in the winter. This band from Toronto came, and we, as DJs, were asked to open and help promote. And then the club said, would you like to do your own night? And at that point, I was getting very frustrated by the emerging scene that I was a part of, which was basically... South Asian Desi promoters that were fighting over kind of crumbs of spaces that were, uh, you know, you had to rent out and everyone was trying to police the music and people didn't want to hear Bhangra. They wanted to hear safer music. Bhangra was seen as low class. Hip hop was seen as, as too thuggy and uh, attracting the wrong elements. So I wanted a night that really celebrated both genres. And that was the, um, impetus for basement and I also didn't want to have like a high door price or dress codes I just wanted to really be a celebration of music and 
a place where people could really just dance. All right, shout out to DJ Raker for informing us, enlightening us, giving us all of the facts about Bangra. I feel very knowledgeable. Yous, what about you? Thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. We'll be back at some point. You never really know when, but keep an eye on Spotify, SoundCloud. Like and subscribe. Rate us five out of five. This episode was brought to you by Greenleaf. Thank you very much.